Welcome to the Joyful Attorney Podcast, where licensed attorney and certified life coach Laura Kelly teaches you how to bring joy, harmony, and balance to your practice and your life. Hello, colleagues, whenever or wherever you are. Welcome to the Joyful Attorney Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Kelly. Next on this series on communication is a somewhat controversial topic. And if you know me, you know I'm no stranger to controversy. After all, I'm a firm believer that everyone and anyone who likes friends is completely and 100% wrong. Absolutely no debate allowed. (laughs) Today, I'm talking about triggers. More specifically, I want to talk about the fact that you are responsible for your triggers. To start off, what is a trigger? Here, I'm talking about the common understanding of the word trigger. It's an emotional reaction to previous traumatic experience. Some people use the word trigger to describe an emotional reaction to disturbing content. We see this with trigger warnings. Now, before you yell at me and possibly scare anyone around you as you listen, let me be clear. I'm not discussing triggers as they relate to post-traumatic stress disorder. If you experience severe psychological distress to triggers as the result of PTSD, I strongly suggest you seek the assistance of a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist. That said, triggers are not our fault. And many of us have triggers because of the very real traumatic experiences that we have endured. Trauma lives in the body and can be reignited very easily by an image, a sound, a smell, a word, etc. I repeat, we are not at fault for our traumas. We are not at fault for our triggers. That said, we must take responsibility for them. Well, let me take that back. You don't have to do anything. You are quite literally not obligated to do a damn thing. You may think that you are obligated to do a lot of things, like paying taxes, but I promise you, you are not. Now, there are a whole host of consequences for every action and inaction in this world, but experiencing a consequence is not the same thing as having an obligation. So you don't have to take responsibility for your triggers. You don't have to deal with your triggers and you can continue to be set off and triggered in your daily life. But let me ask you a question. How does it feel? How does it feel in your body to be triggered? I know that when I'm triggered, my whole body contracts. I get wound up like a tight ball. Knots of tension develop under my scapula over time, and it feels like an elephant sitting on my chest, and I react. Maybe I eviscerate the person who triggered me with a hailstorm of furious keyboard warrioring, and people around me can identify the exact moment when I'm doing this. My head wobbles from side to side, and my forehead stretches out. I look immensely pleased with myself afterwards, apparently, as I put my phone down and return to below deck knowing I have won an argument on the internet and changed someone's opinion forever. Sadly, 
that last part is probably not true. I'm asking you to reflect about what negative consequences the feeling of being triggered brings to your life. Are you stressed, overwhelmed, angry, anxious, or raw a good portion of the time? How does this serve you? Now, I want to say that anger serves a very important role for us as humans. It is our warning signal that something is wrong. It provides us with valuable information. I'm not saying that we should go around like Mr. Spock and merely raise an eyebrow of annoyance when our entire planet is destroyed by Romulans. Anger is a secondary emotion. Something is always underneath it. Usually, it's pain and mostly fear. Anger drives us to action, to fight injustice, to change the world. As Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols once sang, anger is an energy. But we can only do this when our anger is harnessed with the right action and response rather than explosive reactivity. Explosive reactivity does not move us forward. We are not rockets blasting into space. Sure, it may feel good in the moment. It may feel like a release of all that pent-up energy. But we are often left to pick up the pieces afterwards. And along with that, we have added more trauma to the stores of trauma we carry with us. I've mentioned before that I may be wrong, but I fundamentally believe that most people truly desire to be happy, healthy, and safe from harm. However, so many of us don't know how to get it. We often find ourselves angry at the world for not being a safe space. It sucks that the world is not a safe space. We have the power to change it. I am not suggesting that we retreat into ourselves and not fight. I'd like to talk about one of my triggers. This is vulnerable, so I hope you'll bear with me. One of my triggers is breastfeeding. This is not to say that this is my only trigger, but it's one that I'm willing to talk about here. I had an extremely traumatic experience with breastfeeding my daughter that lingers to this day, eight years later. I had internalized the idea that breast is best. I could not give up on the idea of giving my daughter something that was less than best. My daughter was unable to latch and I spent a terrible 12 weeks stuck for many hours a day on a breast pump. These were hours that could have instead been spent bonding with my newborn. And despite postpartum depression and anxiety, my daughter's pediatrician encouraged me to continue pumping because I only have one child. My psychiatrist wouldn't prescribe me medication as long as I was pumping, but she also didn't encourage me to stop. Finally, my male primary care physician sent me to a therapist. My therapist gave me what I needed, permission to stop. I was then able to get medication and slowly start bonding with my infant daughter. So when I see images of breastfeeding, my body reacts. I stiffen, I contract, tears well up in my eyes, and I am immediately transported back to the time where I was not enough. And I used to get angry and hostile, but not anymore. I don't expect the world to stop having World Breastfeeding Week. 
I don't expect moms not to proudly display their breastfeeding photos. Quite the contrary, it's their right to do so. But when I see it, it hurts. I have learned that it is not the breastfeeding image that causes my reaction. Oh no. What causes my reaction is my own thoughts and my emotions. When I say thoughts, I mean what I make the image mean. So when I see the image, so when I see the image and I go back to this internalized idea that breast is best, my mind immediately tells me, you are not good enough. And my feeling is unworthiness. And what comes next is my action. What I do as a result of my emotions. If it is a reaction, I may be hostile, angry, cry, etc. I have another choice though. And that choice is to learn to process that emotion. Rather than react, I can respond with kindness. I can step away from reactivity and tend to my heart with self-compassion. One way to do this is with a RAIN meditation. With RAIN, we can learn to foster self-compassion and the processing of emotions. RAIN is an acronym that stands for Recognize, Allow, Investigate with Kindness, and Nurture. Now, if you aren't driving, operating heavy machinery, or in line at Starbucks, which is a triggering experience in and of itself, I invite you to try this along with me. I'm going to lead a guided meditation. But before we get started, if you'd like to take this work to a one-on-one, free, no-obligations mini-session with me, sign up on my website. I'd love to help you bring more joy, harmony, and balance to your life. You can get more information at my website, www.thejoyfulattorney.com, or email me directly at laura at thejoyfulattorney.com. All right, let's get started. If you're able, you might take an upright seated position, dignified, but open and relaxed. And if you would like, you may close your eyes or gently avert your gaze downward without focusing on any particular object. As you sit, I invite you to feel yourself sitting. You might do this by sensing your body against the chair or the ground you are sitting on. Now gently take your attention to your breath. You may want to focus your attention on the place where you experience the breath most strongly or perhaps where it's most pleasurable. We are gently coming into presence. When you notice that your mind has wandered, as it will, gently direct the attention back to the breath. We are gonna start with the recognize in rain. Recognizing means consciously acknowledging the thoughts feelings and behaviors that are affecting us. You might try asking yourself, what is happening here? What is the primary emotion that is activated? 
You may gently scan your body to discover where you feel the most activation in it. Just take some time recognizing Next, we move to allow. Allowing means letting the thoughts, emotions, or feelings we have recognized simply be there without trying to fix or avoid anything. You may try to open to this experience by saying a gentle phrase, perhaps this too, or yes or I can hold this. Investigate means to call on your natural curiosity, the desire to know truth and direct a more focused attention to your present experience. This process is about inquiring into the felt sense of your experience rather than a cognitive or analytic experience. While your mind will naturally go to the story, I invite you to return your attention to your body, the felt sense and sensation of wherever you feel most vulnerable with an attentive, engaged presence. You may ask yourself, what is the worst part of this? What most wants my attention? Perhaps, what is the most painful thing I am believing? What emotions does this bring up? Fear, anger, grief, sadness. Where do I feel these emotions inside? What is the felt sense of these emotions as sensations? Could it be clenched, raw, hot, sore, aching, empty, squeezed? If you're a visually oriented person, you may ask if this emotion had a color, what would it be? What's its texture? What's its density? And just holding that there. Now we move to the nurture of rain. As you move towards a compassionate presence with yourself, you may ask, if the most vulnerable hurting part of me could communicate, what would it express? 
how does this part want me to be with it? And what of this part of me most need? I invite you to gently place one hand and then the other atop your heart space and call on to your highest self and offer inwardly the love, acceptance, forgiveness, compassion, or protection that the vulnerable part of you most needs right now. You might extend your care through words and or imagery, perhaps envisioning your inner child embraced or surrounded by light. As you complete nurturing, you might sense if there's a message from your most awake, highest self that would be helpful to remember. And now, after the rain, we cease any doing and take some moments to rest in the presence and heart space that has emerged. Relax and let it fill you. Get familiar with it. If you are feeling new or residual difficulty, offer this your acknowledgement and care. And before closing, pay attention to the quality of your presence and ask yourself, in these moments, what is the sense of my being, of who I am? How has this shifted from when I began the meditation? When you're ready, you can open your eyes or lift up your gaze and come back to the room that you are sitting in. When we process our emotion rather than react or avoid it, we are able to respond with wisdom. We're able to show up for ourselves with empowerment, authority, and authenticity. We are no longer affected by our triggers. And trust me, this feels so much better. Until next time, stay joyful. Learn more about how you can work with Laura Kelly by going to thejoyfulattorney.com. Thank you for listening.